it goes back to embracing who you are and loving yourself and living in the moment and enjoying everything that you have around you with gratitude and curiosity, with childlike fascination of the greatness that we live in right now and accepting everything about yourself and knowing that you are enough. That was Deborah Yeager, and this is The Recovery Revolution. It's time for The Recovery Revolution podcast, and it is unlike any recovery podcast you will ever experience. This is next-level recovery transformation featuring the most influential minds in addiction, recovery, sobriety, mindset, and entrepreneurship. We are transforming the stereotypical mundane process of recovery into one of finding your own personal path to empowerment. This podcast will revolutionize the way you look, feel, and talk about recovery. This is The Recovery Revolution. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Recovery Revolution. And today we have Deborah Yeager joining us on the show. And she has just an incredible story of recovery, transformation, perseverance, and overcoming unbelievable odds. Her story of addiction is mind-blowing, and it is a miracle that she is alive today. And what's even more of a miracle is what she is doing with her life today. She's an incredible coach, she's an incredible human being, and she's a testament to what real recovery looks like. So let's dive into Deb's story, but first, a quick message from our sponsors. We are all addicted to something. Money, success, food, drugs, alcohol, and even our problems. These addictions hold us back and prevent us from tapping into our greatness. My name's Omar Pinto, and I'm a life transformation coach, addiction recovery specialist, and lifestyle entrepreneur. I help people transform their business, family, and personal life every single day. So if you want to find out what's holding you back from living a life of fulfillment, success, and happiness, go to www.omarpinto.com and schedule a free consultation with me today. It's time to transform your life. Today's episode is brought to you by the RRC, the Recovery Revolution Community. The RRC is our private recovery membership group that features online meetings, online support, accountability, peer-to-peer recovery support, and coaching. The Recovery Revolution is more than just a podcast. It is a support network helping thousands of people all over the world. So for more information about the Recovery Revolution podcast or how you can join the RRC, then go to omarpinto.com and get plugged into the Recovery Revolution today. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to show your support for the podcast. And speaking of amazing reviews, we have one here from Matt Brooks. And it says, recovery is a mindset. Thank you, Omar Pinto, for your podcast. Fred Daly here in Costa Rica recommended me to listen to your share podcast episode with him. And now I listen every week. I'm hooked and try to listen to one or two older episodes because I know there's so much good information that I just want all the wisdom you are sharing so freely. Thank you and pura vida. 
Matt Brooks. Matt, Pura Vida, thank you so much for that great review and a big shout out of love to my good friend Fred Daly. HP, baby. Hello, Deb. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to have you on the show. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm really feeling great. I'm excited to dive in. All right. Me too. Me too. All right. So, folks, today we have Deborah Yeager joining us on the show. Deb is an inspirational success story, changing her life for everything she didn't want. Unhappy relationships, food and drug addiction, feeling out of control with no way out. She was continually plagued by an unhealthy mindset, working in an industry that was keeping her trapped in a prison of her own making, sabotaging her growth to break through to a life she had only imagined others could have. Once Deb committed fully to herself, she was able to accomplish quick change using strategies and profound methods of transformation. Does that sound about right, Deb? Yes, it's been a long journey and a well worth one. (laughs) You know, I had to read the whole thing because as I was reading that bio, I go, I could have written that. Okay, that is my story. And I find that for so many of us, the, you know, how we find ourselves even to this podcast is through these similarities, these incredible similarities in our stories um, and how these life transformation opportunities. I'm also an NLP practitioner. Uh, you're an NLP what? Master practitioner at this Trainer. point? Master. Oh, oh, just... So it's just, folks, so you know, it's NLP practitioner, then it's master practitioner, then it's NLP trainer. So she's next level. She's heading towards Tony Robbins status. (laughs) 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 So I'm going to have lots of questions because even in this bio, um, it's all about the similarities. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about what your normal daily routine looks like? Yes, absolutely. And I would like to emphasize that it's one of the things that has really kept me on the path of healing um, is the morning ritual. And um, my husband and I, we actually do it together. We usually wake up and I, I always will do some sort of tea or sometimes if I'm feeling coffee, then I'll do coffee. Um, and then I like to do uh, a little bit of movement, getting my body moving because I'm a little bit wired differently than my husband. He's one of those people that seems to be most of the time positive, And I seem to have the itty bitty shitty committee going on in my mind, you know, so, and it's, and I've, I've really, really worked, um, through a lot of it though. Some mornings I find that I don't feel so great. And so getting that movement in my body and, whatever it is, push-ups, squats, or just moving around and putting on some music shakes out that negative energy. Sometimes it gets trapped from sleeping. And then we like to dive into meditation. Um, I do a series of meditation where I do some breathing. Um, I also have dove in and I'm a full initiate of the shamanistic practice of the ancient Huna. So I, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's It's kind of, it's kind of like Reiki though, a little different. Um, We have 36 symbols that you can meditate. And I remember when I went to school for it, it's kind of like going to Hogwarts school. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so you have these um, things that you can do symbols with your hands and you can use it for breakthrough and healing work. So depending upon the day, I'll do a meditation with that. Um, I also do the process. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, Ho'oponopono. I actually, I have, I've heard the, I've heard it said, okay, that's about as far as I can go with it. I have no idea what that is. So it actually is from um, Hawaii and it's a, it's a Huna practice where essentially in a nutshell, you imagine a stage below you in front of you and you have the infant source of love and healing come through your body and come out your heart chakra and you give the person on stage forgiveness, love, and then you cut the connection, the energetic connection between you and that person. Well, you can do it with yourself too. So I do it with myself or anyone that I feel like there was words that were not spoken. Um, it's great, especially if you have a history that's colorful and you've hurt a lot of people. It allows you really to heal that process with them energetically and inside of you, um, especially those people that may not want to have anything to do with you. So you do this by imagining them. They're, you're imagining whoever you want to make amends to or mm-hmm. have you know, some sort of negative um, experience with. You imagine them on a stage. Uh-huh. Okay. And you use, you imagine the healing power of, what was that? The, the, what was that again? Universal. Universal intelligence, God, I mean, however you like to language it. I imagine it coming through the top of my head, coming all the way through the pineal gland, all the way through the throat chakra, down through the heart, and then filling up your body with love and light and healing. Mm -hmm. And then as you're full of love and light, then you can give that um, energy through your heart chakra onto that person, filling them up with love and light and forgiveness. And then it allows you to say what you need to say and them to say what they need to say. And you can cut the connection that you have from them once you forgive them. Because really, at the end of the day, it's the forgiveness for yourself as well as for them that will allow you to move on in your life. And it's interesting when you do that with people, even if you haven't spoken to them, sometimes they'll call you randomly because they can feel the connection um, severed. And it's in a healthy way. Um, We believe that Even the people that you love the most, for example, my husband, I cut the connection with him every single day because I want to show up as a different person each day and I want him to show up as his highest and best and most evolved every single day. And so when you say you cut, Mm -hmm. right, you're, is that how you're doing the, is that how you're cutting the the connection? Yeah, have you ever heard of cord cutting? It's I know it's a little woo. No, this is fan. This is fascinating. <laughs> this is why I love. You know, I knew I knew we were going to go all over the place on this interview. Okay, I absolutely knew. Um, so let's just continue on the woo factor. Okay. So go ahead. So everyone that you've ever had any sort of rapport with. Um, like for an example, it's a great practice when you're coaching, when you're training, anyone that you have a conversation, you have that energetic connection. The Hawaiians believe that there was an Aka connection that was made. And so it's like a hose that is energetically connected to you and that person, especially everyone you have had sex with. This is a big time thing. And that hose is going between you, which is fine. However, over time, it drains your, your life force. <clears throat> And so, and it drains their life force. And so it's not a real, a win-win and it keeps those things incomplete at a soul level. 
And so what this practice does is allows you to forgive and say the things that you need to say and cut that connection with that person so they can continue to evolve in their highest and best and you can too. And then whenever you want to reconnect again, you can. It's just that you want, I cut cords in the morning and in evening of every person I've come into contact with. Because when you're doing a lot of work with people, you can have a lot of cords going out and then you may feel drained at the end of the day. God, this is fantastic. Okay, so this is note to self for me. So this is, of course, I deal with clients every single day. And some of them, I mean, today was one of those ones where I actually had a two-hour session. Okay, so, I mean, there's incredible amount of energy on both sides. um, But holding that attention, holding that focus, paying attention, being present, all that requires a lot of energy, right? And so now I recognize where it's like when you're done, it's like, wow, wow, wow. I'm kind of drained, right? So I need some water. So I start drinking lots of water, right? But I love this idea of cutting the cord because I'm connected to you. Do you mm-hmm. do that after you're, you have sessions with clients? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So what do you so do? They- you, you picture them on the stage is that what mm-hmm. you do yeah i picture them and their highest and best and i and i have all the life force energy flow through me and then out my heart giving them all the love and healing so they're full of love and light and then when they're done and you feel like internally you know shift that they're totally complete and then i i have this beautiful sword that i have in my right hand and i cut the aka connection and it falls to the ground and it goes back to them and it comes back to me and it just allows you to maintain the integrity of your energy. Ah, okay. So you 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 visualize yourself cutting the cord. Mm-hmm. Wow. Or you can do scissors, or you can have your helpers if you have um, you know spiritual helpers. They can cut the cord for you. Okay. All right. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. I love it. And how long have you been doing this practice? Um. Well, I. I started doing that practice after I became a trainer. I mean, they, um, the school that I went through for uh, NLP and um, all the other modalities that I teach. So I'm a trainer of NLP, a modality called timeline therapy, hypnosis, and we do an NLP coaching model. Um, my mentor, he integrated all of this into the body and knowledge. So it's more of a holistic approach to working with clients from the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, and the physical plane of the body. And so um, I used it for my own thing of healing myself and then also forgiving myself for all the people that I may not have treated the best during my rampage. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was part of my practice and healing. And then I also implemented it very quickly into the way that we do our trainings and how I approach coaching clients. Okay. So you, you went through the program and now you and your husband have your own training program. Yes. Where you where you take people through the same process? Yes, with our own you know approach, we have the right to use um, the content, and then we also put our own body of knowledge through experiences that we integrate into it as well. Okay. So we do we certify people at practitioner, master prac, and trainers level. Wow! And how long have you been doing this now? 
So I started my journey of NLP in 2011. That was my um, my first introductory training. My first breakthrough training was 2012. Um, and I was still using at that point halfway through the training. And that, Wow. Yeah, I was bad. I mean, give you a little backstory. Um, so I started escorting and stripping. Um, I started stripping first, but escorting sh- soon after when I was 17. Um, I started using... Um, when I was early teens, like 11, started drinking heavily, got into all kinds of, you know, street drugs, um, pharmaceuticals, all that stuff. I was on a mission to really kill myself. I didn't have the balls to actually do it, thank goodness. But that was in the back of my mind, I was punishing myself because I felt I was so unworthy and not good enough. And I wasn't going to amount to anything. What, do not stop. I mean, like, holy cow, drop that bomb on us. And <laughs> I don't even know where I was at. <laughs> it's like, holy cow. All right. So we're an NLP practitioner. And I was like, so I started stripping and escorting when I was 17 years old. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. So here's, yeah. here's the best part of coaching. All of these are just behavior, soothing mechanisms to deal with underlying issues, right? And you started using at 11 years old. Mm -hmm. So what was it that you discovered about your childhood that you were soothing over in the first place? Yeah, I mean, ever since I could remember breathing, I always felt this deep-seated unworthiness. I was plagued by fear. I was afraid of everything. In fact, I looking back now, I had phobia behaviors. I was, I remember choking on something. I was scared to swallow for a couple of years. I just, I was, I would have these terrible dreams where I'd wake up in panics and, um, I just, and then it also compounded because when I first started going to school, I started struggling in school. I got labeled, um, you know, learning disabled. And I remember, right around that time, I pretty much gave up on myself. I I gave up on my ability to learn to be smart. And I didn't believe that I was good enough, smart enough. And I made a decision that I wasn't going to ever amount to anything. And so I started actually manipulating. I was very intelligent, just not in the traditional sense, manipulating my teachers um, to doing the work for me. And um, I got put in the behavioral kid class. And so I was very good at not being a problem. And so the more I had people doing things for me, the more power I got out of it. Mm. And then I linked it to being beautiful means that you get love and attention. And it just, it spiraled out into this, this program that I needed to be perfect. I had to be beautiful because it was the only thing that I had value and bring into the table. And the more that I couldn't read, because it was this, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy because I made a decision that I wasn't ever going to be able to read or write. The belief was born. And so it was my reality. And so the more that I didn't have those skill sets, the less capable I felt and the most, and the more unworthy I felt. And so it compounded And by the time that I was in junior high, I remember I was so far behind. I was like, I'm never going to catch up. And so I started acting out and I was so, and I remember being so fearful of everything. And I remember the first time that I started drinking and smoking weed, I felt like I could be myself. Mm -hmm. 
I felt like the person inside of me, I actually could shine. And I remember drinking and like lashing out because I had all this repressed stuff of who I wanted to be. And I was so angry at myself. I was angry at the world. I was angry at everything. And so it just, it gave me that power and I was addicted to that power. I was also very addicted to the dark side of people. I thought it was fascinating. I was addicted to the destruction, the pain, because it actually made me feel because I was so dissociated from my body. This is incredible. So incredible. I just finished speaking in Miami, and the title was The Healing Power of Letting Go. Mm. And that's what I was holding on to. I was picked on, bullied, made fun of for all of my childhood, right? Up until I got into high school and started drinking. Um, And so I was terrified. I was filled with fear. I was constantly, every day, going to school thinking, what's going to happen next? Who's going to pick on me today? Trying to go unnoticed. Trying to be not seen. I had got horrible grades. I couldn't pay attention in class. There's something wrong with me. Right? There was just underlying feeling that something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. I don't, I don't fit in. I don't feel well. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And then I started drinking, right? And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> so here's where I've been all my life. Oh, my God. I'm fantastic. Like, I had no idea. Like, all I needed was some alcohol. And, of course, quickly thereafter... As the process continues, all that anger, resentment, and bitterness just comes to the surface. And when you drink, it starts to... You start mm-hmm. to put it out into the world. I'm like, listen, I go every time. Like the more, I, uh, the more I get into your story, it's the female counterpart of, of my story, right? Um, so let's dive into some of, these, some of these consequences because at some point... You know, I, I, I get into drugs and alcohol. I understand. We're all clear, right? I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel deserving. Boom. Add alcohol. Feel fantastic. That works for a little while. And then boom, here come the consequences. So tell us about some of those consequences you faced. So, and I, I want to I talk about this. So I wound up in rehab pretty on early. It was about 17. Um, I wound up because I had gotten arrested and all this stuff. And so there was an intervention process that happened and it was the traditional, I went to the 30 day um, drug and alcohol live in type of place. And for me, it wasn't very helpful um, because I remember them telling me, and this is, this is coming from my heart in much love and respect, but I remember them telling me that I was going to be an alcoholic and addict for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I thought any different mm-hmm. that I was in denial, so mm-hmm. it was like the, the ultimate double bind. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, I, I still was dancing at the time and I, and I saved up money. I wanted to go to school. So I moved out to California. I had saved up all this money. I stopped drinking, you know, um, and I had this plan. I was like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to break through this bullshit around learning and I'm going to make something on myself. But in the back of the mind, I had that belief. And so every time that I would drink, then it would say, oh, my God, you're going to relapse. Blah, 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 blah. And so then it became the self-fulfilling prophecy. And then I started using again. And then I got into really bad stuff, bad relationships. And then fast forward about 10 years, 
at 29 years old, relapsing on meth again, an abusive relationship, you know, waking up and realizing, oh my God, I can't believe I'm dead. I'm not dead. Mm. You know, and I knew that if I didn't change something, I wouldn't be alive. Like my, my idea of my projection of life was maybe like six months. Mm, Wow. Yeah. And I decided that I needed to change. I decided that it was life or death or I was going to wind up in jail again. And so that's when I made that it was, it was the universal opening. I decided that there had to be something more than the life that I was living. So take us into the rock bottom moment. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, and it's so funny because a lot of people say, you know, wasn't that one time pivotal point. It was many, many rock bottoms. Um, the lowest of low for me was, you know, a whole year straight, I smoked meth and it was just, it was nuts. I knew that if, and I prayed to God every day that he would get put in jail because I knew that I didn't have the strength to stop. Like my entire life was around the next rock, the next rock, the next rock. The only reason why in like, I was getting pent out to go to work to get the next rock. And he did, he got put in jail And, um, then I decided that I wanted to, you know, try to figure out how I can create a recovery. And so I cross addicted into pills and other things. So there was many rock bottoms. Um, the pills got out of hand. Um, you know, I was taking so much and there were so many times where I'd wake up and just realize, Oh my gosh, you're alive. And for me, I think that it was just an opening in time that I was praying so much for help that the mentor appeared. Who was the mentor? I think the last, the last, the last rock bottom was really crawling to the mirror and looking at myself and realizing that I didn't even know who the fuck I was. Man, there is nothing like that completely outer body experience that happens when you're staring at yourself in the mirror because I hated looking in mirrors. I avoided mirrors like the plague. I did Mm -hmm. not want to see myself. I looked horrible, bloated, distended. I wasn't one of those. I did a lot of cocaine and I, I wasn't one of the skinny ones. Okay, I was I I was just completely because I drank so much, so mm-hmm. I drank so much to manage all the cocaine use, um, and I was just bloated massively. I mean, I weigh I weigh two hundred pounds today. I was weighing two hundred and thirty pounds when I got clean and sober, and my eyes were so Chinese because I was so swollen. That my eyes were just squeezing. So I look, I looked literally like I was, I was Chinese or Asian, right? You know what I mean? Like it was that. But I looked physically sick, so I avoided the the mirror. So I can totally like, I'm just picturing this whole. I'm crawling on the ground, looking in the mirror like this horror movie, or like one of those <laughs> rock bottom, you know, meth stories where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe she's still alive. Um. So so that was. Go ahead. I think too, I wanted to preface this too, because I had such a fucked, excuse my language, but it fucked it. like, um, a, 
I was also taking anabolic steroids for the last year. So I looked like a man. I had pox everywhere because I had such a distorted I had body dysmorphia. It kind of goes along with dancing and stripping and um, that whole career choice um, because you're always trying to be this perfect version of whatever you think it is. And it's so distorted in your mind. And it's a, it's of survival. And I remember looking at myself and I'm like, and I, my voice actually lowered from taking that stuff. My body had changed and you talk about bloating, talk about bloating for, for real. Oh my gosh. And having pox all over my neck. And I just, I didn't know who I was and I didn't even know what I was at that point. I was very confused. (laughs) What an incredible story. Like I am trying to even remotely picture this chaos, this absolute, this feels like end of days, sort of just absolute train wreck chaos, um, Nagasaki, right? Like everything is just exploding around me. And I am putting anything and everything into my body to try and fix me. Mm-hmm. And I am just killing myself. And on top of that, I'm just praying for help. Was there ever a time where you prayed for death? Yeah. It would have been easier. But I, I, I had, there was always something there inside of me during the whole time. I, I didn't want to give up. Yeah. I was stubborn. Yeah. I'll tell I had you. a huge step on my shoulder of like, I had to prove something to someone or something. And was, you, you had a huge, what a huge chip on your shoulder. Yeah. I mean, death, death sounded too easy for me. If that I makes love, sense. I know. I love the idea of the chip on the shoulder. Because the chip on the shoulder represents injustice, right? I'm fucking pissed off, man. Like, I was, I was fucking cheated. You know? Like, somewhere along the lines, it's not all me, right? Like, sure, all this stuff is going, all, sure, all this stuff is going on around me. There, there was a notification. I don't know how that happened. Snuck in there. Did you hear that? No. Okay, good. You know, I, there's all this, like, rage and anger and all all of that came from a sense of injustice all the times i was picked on and made fun of and bullied somebody had to somebody had to fucking pay man (laughs) you know i watch way too many movies with steven seagal you know out for justice tons of revenge movies i'd sit there and like yeah man yeah like i wish i could go back and and you know live through all of that crap but there is this this sort of like, you know, chip on your shoulder, right? There's this thing that's kind of holding you together that, that, that's, that still gives you this fight. You know, you still got enough fight in you to keep going. And you're just putting all kinds of stuff in your body to, to keep moving. And in the meantime, you have no idea. You're just playing mad scientist, you know, to putting all kinds of cocktails of drugs in your system. And it's like, what do I do? Like, what do I do now? Right. And at some point, I'm at this point where I just I can't do anymore. I've tried everything. And I guess to a certain degree, like for me, I gave up. Like in the end there, it was a complete surrender. Like I remember praying for death 
and just going, God, either get me clean or take me out of this world because I can't do this anymore. I can't. I cannot do this any longer. I was 31 years old. <clears throat> My wife was six months pregnant. She wasn't even six months pregnant at the time. She was like three months pregnant, right? I was a complete disaster. I was a double zero going in the other direction. I was worse than I'd ever been in my life. I served no purpose. And I was just like, I'm, you know, I got nothing left. And then, you know, I had that like aha moment, that spiritual awakening the next day that said, you know, somebody a long time ago suggested you you should go to one of those 12 step meetings. And boom, that was it. That's where it started. It was like in this moment, but I was ready, man. Like I was, I was done. So you're on the floor staring at the mirror. Like I can't do this anymore. What happened next? Um, because I was always into, uh, working out. Uh, that's how I met my mentor. She had, she had gone through all the programs of NLP and I watched this woman take, um, working with clients in the park with this hot Pilates kind of workout model to owning our own studio to very shortly after that, um, doing teacher trainings. And now she's international and she goes around the world teaching her hot Pilates model. And she was incredible. She was this light, you know, that's like the moth to the flame. And I didn't know what it was about her. It was just, she was so confident and she was so congruent and she was so loving. And, um, I took one of her classes uh, to become a teacher. I was thinking, cause I wanted to get out of that business. The reason why I stayed in it for so long is because I didn't believe I was smart enough to do anything else. I didn't yes. think I could even, um, hold down a waitressing job, nor was I smart enough to get one or read the paperwork. And so it kept me trapped. And so I got inspired by her and took her teaching clinic class. And I, was, and I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I could become this, you know, health coach or something like that. And she, we bonded really quickly. And I told her what was going on in my life. And she's like, go talk to these people. I don't care your excuses. I don't care what you have to say. Just fucking take this class. It will be, it will change your life. Um, trust me. I don't care how much it costs. Just do it. And so I did and I signed and I, I went to a, a weekend event with these amazing trainers, good friends of mine now, fellow trainers, and it rocked my world. It wasn't a breakthrough training, but it was the introductory of the NLP and timeline therapy. And I signed up immediately for their seven day course. And of course, then I pushed it off another six months and I, I'm not ready. And then I relapsed on meth again. And so I had to hit a couple more stumbles of rock bottom before I showed up for the training. And when I went to the training, it changed my life. And I almost didn't make it through the training too. Three days in, I said, fuck this. I'm leaving. I can't do this. I'm not smart enough because it's all like in the beginning, it's it's designed in such a way to have your stuff bubble up to the surface. And the first two days is all learning of language and a new way of looking at language. And so of course, I'm like, I can't do this. And so I went home, scored a bag of meth, smoked it all night, didn't show up the next day. And they're like, get your ass down here. Just just, we don't care what your excuse is, just get down there. And so the third day I had the biggest breakthrough in my life. I integrated this, um, the part of me that just wanted to kill people, to have rage, to fuck, to eat, to, you know, just lash out, um, take what I wanted, didn't care about anyone. And then the part of me that wanted to be good and loving and caring to be normal, 
right? The two halves that were always fighting that I had this up and down, up and down um, bipolar personality going on, integrated, and I felt whole. Parts integration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an incredible process. I quit after that. Wow. Yeah. That was it. So it wasn't it forever, but it, it was it for about six months. And then I had to, I scored some more um, Adderall to go back to work to make more money because I ran out of money. I quit dancing. I quit escorting. Um, and I went on a spiritual journey, but I thought I was too fat. So my belief systems were still holding me back. And so I had to get on Adderall and lose weight to get the money to get to masters. And that's where I met my husband and master practitioner. And then the real hurt, hurt healing started, but it's incredible, incredible story. Wow. So as far as how long you've been clean and sober now? So I still drink and I want to give you that upfront. Okay. I don't believe that I'm an alcoholic or addict. Okay. I made a choice at Master Prac and beyond that health is my number one value. Yes. And I can have wine once in a while. I had a glass of wine last night with uh, Games of Thrones um, as a celebration. It's not a numbing mechanism anymore. For me, it was a way to stuff my emotions. It was a way of deflecting what I was feeling. It was a way of me medicating what was really going on. Now I'm not advocating that for everybody. And it's been, um, it's been a long journey of defragging those beliefs around addiction and believing that it is a stuck state and it's something you can't heal. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, now, as far as the, obviously the meth, the Adderall, all that stuff, that's all gone. Yeah, that stopped in um, Master Practitioner 2013. Okay. All right. So, so I threw all that out. Um, I had pills that I was taking halfway through Master's, and then the goal was to get to Master's to quit, and I quit, and I haven't touched it. Okay. So for six years, you've stopped doing all the drugs. Yes. And occasionally you celebrate watching Game of Thrones and a glass of wine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We just had a conversation. Who was I just having a conversation with about Game of Thrones? Oh, it was in my mastermind. It was in my mastermind call. And somebody had said, oh, do you watch Game of Thrones? I go, no. Oh, I don't want to give it away. I go, I'm never going to watch it. So anyway, so they were talking it about. It's a violent show. I have to deprogram my unconscious mind after watching it. <laughs> Seriously. It's violent. It's crap. <laughs> oh, my God. This is incredible. Uh. What an incredible story. Deb, I mean, wow! I'm just kind of, I'm still blown away from from what incredible story of transformation. Like that's that's the best way to describe it. It is complete. It is a complete transformation, um, and the power of what I would say here is uh, personal development and growth. It cannot be undervalued. There today, one of the fastest ways, one of the the biggest. The biggest shifts in my life happened when I hired my NLP uh, coach. Uh, before I even took the, the practitioner training, um, I had done a weekend workshop and absolutely loved everything about it. My wife and I took 
uh, a weekend workshop and I said, I want to do the practitioner training and I also want to hire you as a coach. And I did one-on-one coaching with him. We did about nine sessions and my life just exploded from there on. Like so many of my limiting beliefs were crushed. And then from there, it was just like, I needed, I got another coach and then I would join another mastermind. And then I went to UPW. I went to uh, Unleash the Power Within, Tony Robbins. Just this constant, you know, um, sharpening. This sharpening, iron sharpens iron. Uh, the idea of that. So it's just constantly, I'm constantly trying to stay on top of things so that I can be the best version of myself um, to coach on a higher level. Like what I just learned from you today about the energy clearing Right, cutting the cord, cord cutting. I was like, dude, okay, adding that. And here's the cool thing about personal development it is fast, it is effective. Once you're on this path, when somebody throws something at you, I'm like, dude, incorporated. Right, there's no fear, there's no hesitation. You just move into action. And a lot of times, that's what's really preventing us from getting to the next level on anything. What's that first step? It's like this terrifying, paralyzing fear that I can't do this, that I am not good enough, that I am not worthy, that I am not deserving. And so someone presents something to me and I don't even remotely take a step forward, paralyzed in fear and uncertainty. Um, and, and so this is, this is why my shift in the recovery revolution was like, we, what I have learned, what I have been able to incorporate into my life I want to bring to to my listeners a story like this where the idea that you're going to be an alcoholic and an addict for the rest of your life and attaching yourself to that identity. Mm, Everything that you say, everything that I say, every word after, um, anything you say after I am follows you. Anything that follows I am follows you. So I am an addict, and I'm just kind of repeating that over and over again. I am an alcoholic. Um, if I go to a meeting, which I enjoy going to twelve step meetings, I still identify as because I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy either, right? So I yeah. I go in and I, and I participate as. But usually when I share, I share from a whole different place, right? I share from a place of empowerment, of love, you know, of 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 bringing value of trying to listen to what's going on in the room and then from there allowing you know the the internal guide uh to deliver a message i i say this a lot you know i'm not the i am not the well but i do enjoy being the pipe right i love to deliver the message right and and the message comes to me from all different directions thing is i don't i don't pigeonhole myself into believing that there is only one way for anything I allow all information to come to come in. I allow it all to penetrate. Whatever I deem functional, whatever I've deemed to feel or, or deem um, worthy, beneficial, useful, I immediately grab it. Like, I'm grabbing this. I'm grabbing that. I'm going to use this shit tomorrow. <laughs> Let's roll, man. Like, once you get into that stage, you could just take. Take and then Boom. Give it back, right? I love this whole idea of kind of visualizing my client. They're on a stage, filling myself with love or anyone that I have a resentment towards or anyone towards I'm, I'm angry towards. Where it's like the idea of one of, the, one of the biggest things that I talk about in my speech was that 
that whole idea of justice is what I wanted. Mm. I wanted somebody to pay for all those years and justice was never going to heal me. Even if I got it, it wasn't going to heal me. What healed me was love, right? And it continues to heal me, right? And this is what we're doing, right? We're learning how to love. That practice is all about unconditional love and giving it, right? And from there, the healing begins. Absolutely. And one of the major things about healing from that journey is as an addict, I know that in, you know, what, if you want to, categorize all the different things that my behavior would have been classified narcissists um you know obsessive compulsive uh, body dysmorphic all of it had to do with myself and feeling sorry for myself being a victim mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not feeling worthy of it and it was like okay so i feel unworthy and i beat myself up and i'm criticizing of myself to get more worthiness from whom and what It was this unbelievable cycle that I was in. And so one of the huge shifts for me, because as I was healing from this process and letting go of my own self-abuse, as well as the other abuse that I attracted, of course, I attracted lots of abusive people in my life. Um, And so as I was healing from that, part of the journey was getting out of myself and starting to get back and share. And that's really what... (sighs) at the end of the day, that's why I believe I'm here, you know, and I'm sure you can share the same thing is taking your experiences and turning it into transformation and helping others in the same situation. And knowing and forgiving yourself for being who you were, because I wasn't the best person, you know, and there's still a part of me that likes some of those things that I used to do. And I'm not fucking perfect now. I still do stupid shit (laughs) and sometimes I will know that I'm doing stupid shit. And then I'm like, wow, you're doing it, but you like it somehow because you keep doing it. Right. And like working on yourself every day and being real and authentic and truthful about it and sharing this journey with other people. Those secondary benefits, you know, are, are hard to let go of. Right. Mm -hmm. There is a, there, we, we did it for a reason. It's, oh, yeah. It served a purpose at the time. It created – everything is about an emotional state. Everything that we do is about creating an emotional state. You know, I got a promotion, right? Why do I get a promotion? Because it feels great. I feel significant. I feel powerful, right? I feel good about myself, right? I love being in love, right? I love being in love, feeling in love. It's all an emotional state. I'm, all, I'm just trying to create this. So if I'm doing some kind of bad behavior – it feels kind of good. So, uh, you know, so, you know I'm kind of doing it, right? And here's the thing, too. Here's the thing that I work with people all the time. Here's the, here's the very cool thing about being a recovering addict and being a coach. Because I know what that's all about. It's the dopamine hit. It's the mm-hmm. dopamine hit that happens the minute I start thinking about something that's not good for me, but I enjoy And as soon as I start thinking about that thing, it just creates this sort of energy bubble inside of me. As soon as I start thinking about that, oh, remember that thing? Oh, man, that's so much fun. Or, God, I enjoy that thing. Or whatever whatever that can. And immediately the dopamine gets triggered and an energy boost just kind of happens. And I start moving in that direction, right? And here's the thing that I try and, depending on what it is, in many cases, the end result is never as exciting 
as getting there. So I might do some dumb shit or I might, you know, embark on a certain mission or whatever the case may be. But it's all, uh, in many cases, eh, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be in the end because most of it is just the anticipation of what is, what's coming, right? Of what it will be like, what it could be like. And I go, if you try and live in there for a moment, if you try and just kind of use that energy and recognize that getting to that, like my favorite ice cream is this, right? Like I had a bad day, right? I was, I kind of had a rough, I kind of had a rough day and I'm not feeling too good. And now I'm home and I'm kind of exhausted. And it's like, God, you know what really feels good is that I deserve it. I deserve this ice cream, you know? (laughs) And then as soon as you start thinking about that ice cream, you start imagining what if, what that, I'm like, oh man, it is my apps is so buttery. And there's, I got those extra chocolate chunks in it. And, ah, and all of a sudden everything just starts going firing inside of you. And it's like, oh my God, you know what? It wouldn't be such a horrible thing. And, you know, I deserve it. You know, I mean, it's going to make me feel better. And I'm boom. Next thing you know, I'm on my way to go get that ice cream. And there is nothing in this world that will create such clear, focused energy. <laughs> Except for that moment. Well, once I make that decision that I'm going to go get that ice cream, that's I'm living in that moment. Three hours later, when I'm finished with the carton... <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I'm gonna die. <laughs> Was it worth it? I'm like, how do you repurpose that energy? Mm. How do you repurpose that energy? If you can well, find I, a way to channel that energy, that's where all the magic happens. Yeah, and it's it's a self awareness, the moment in time where you can disconnect yep. and <clears throat> ask yourself, really, what is this about? Mm-hmm. You know, where is this feeling for me? It was always this incompleteness, this void that I can never fill, the Mm -hmm. metaphorical hole, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this emptiness inside started within, and then I was searching for something outside of it, whether it be sex, attention, drugs, Mm -hmm. alcohol, food, you know, praise, people-pleasing, negative emotions would sometimes fill that because it would Mm -hmm. make me feel validated and more full. Mm -hmm. So having that ability to stand back and notice what was going on from a a powerful mentor inside myself point mm-hmm. of view and then being able to con- cultivate and clear out and figure out and work through and get into an empowered moment and state and then you don't need that anymore and mm-hmm. in, in the beginning i really nlp almost it was the void that would fill the void of alcohol drugs everything Some days I was doing clearing work, you know, three times a day, you know, because it it was the only way that I could manage that and become self-aware. And then I noticed that it was becoming counterproductive, right? There was a point where I cleared it all. I had cleared it all, at least from what I was aware of at the moment. Mm-hmm. There was no more. And it was becoming an, an avoidant. It, it crossed whatever you would call it, cross addict into avoidance strategy. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I even have this in my notes. We can be addicted to anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I got self-aware of that and it was time for me to take action. 
And then that action yeah. piece helped a lot too. <laughs> All right. There's, there's just, there's, there's so much here. There's so much here. My listeners at this point got to be like, dude, I'm trying to unpack all this. this is a lot. And I'm right there with you because I've done the work and I understand it. Uh, but for many, for many of them, it's like, there's a lot. So just rewind the episode, listen to it again, take it with a grain of salt, but recognize that so much of this is internal work that once, once you connect with the right vehicle, with the right, and it could be multiple vehicles and pathways, okay? It doesn't have to be one. For, for me, it was, it was working the 12 steps. That was my first journey into personal development. Then it was getting a coach. Then it was joining a mastermind. Then it was doing NLP. Then it was getting coached for NLP. Then it was, you know, becoming a practitioner. It's just a constant evolution of learnings, Right, and each time as I break those, we have these breakthroughs. You start to you start to crush these limiting beliefs that have been preventing you. And understanding all that, it takes time. So so give yourself a break. Time takes time. Uh, but if you're interested, NLP changed my life. Right for Deb, it saved her life. Right? It's it's there. It, this is the real deal. Do yourself a favor, and if this sounds at all interesting to you, it's one of the fastest way to make dramatic changes in your life of anything that I've ever done, hands hands down. Um, and so, so let's move into the clo- some of the closing questions because you know mm-hmm. we're, 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 we could do this for days. Um, so, as a coach, I hear stories all day long from people who say, "I can't do this because." Or once I achieve this, I'll be happy. They learn and pick up patterns from role models in their life, not realizing that they are now in charge of their own story. So what is the story that you used to tell yourself, your biggest limiting beliefs, and what is it that you believe now? Um, my old story was I was not enough. There was nothing that I could do that was ever enough. I wasn't worthy. I was full of shame, and I was stupid. And it kept me stuck. And I mean, you, my story is a complete manifestation of that. I created all, I created all the drama in my life. And I actually loved creating the drama because that gave me more problems. I got addicted to having problems. And so what is it that you believe now? Um, I believe that there's infinite possibilities. I believe I'm capable. I believe anything that I put my mind to, I can accomplish. And I believe that I'm worthy no matter what the fuck I do. God, that, that is so powerful. And listeners, you know, after hearing Deb's story, to be able to say with conviction, you know, how she, what she believes now about herself and what she can achieve and accomplish, so many of us can, can relate to the first part of I am not worthy, I am not deserving, I am stupid, there is something wrong with me, filled with shame, and to come out the other side is absolutely, is absolutely incredible, right? And, and is, is a testament to what taking massive action can do in your life. So one of my favorite questions is, it comes from Tony Robbins, and he talks about burning the boats, right? So if you want to take the island, you have to burn the boats. You draw a line in the sand. There's a moment in your life where you say, I, that not one more day, not one more hour, not one more minute. I will no longer tolerate this in my life. When was that moment in your life? The first thing that comes to my mind <clears throat> 
it was drawing the line in the sand of the old self dying and the new one coming in and developing. And you would think that it was actually over the drugs, but it was actually over who I believed I was. Um, so I worked for my husband's real estate company in the, the first two years. So we met and then I moved in with him right after and I started working for him. And I still had that belief that I wasn't smart enough, good enough to do anything. And I really had this burning desire to become a coach. And then we went to trainer training. So of course I wanted to become a trainer and I kept putting my life on hold because of my limiting beliefs about myself. And so I did everything to get out of facing my biggest fear, which was people and public speaking and communicating and sales and everything and made excuses. And then, and I even kept my stripper shoes. I kept my stripper clothes this whole time for two years. I stayed in our garage and it was like my backup plan. There's so many times where we get these knockdown drag out fights. And I'm like, I can't do this because he's like, you can do it. I don't believe in your bullshit. He didn't put up with my limiting beliefs because he could see what I was capable of, but I couldn't see it. And we'd fight and I would cry and I would like run scenarios through my mind of leaving and calling my sugar daddy and scoring more drugs and losing weight to go back to whatever it was, you know, forget I ever learned NLP because I can't face the failure or the facing people finding out who I was or face the shame of people knowing who I was or who would want to buy from me, like all these different things of like, who am I to be teaching personal growth and development, which is crazy to me now because I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm the biggest testimonial. Hell <laughs> yeah. Make any sense because I'm like, what if they find out that I'm stupid? I'm not good enough. And finally I said, screw it. And um, the biggest convincer for me, actually, it's so strange is I pass a real estate test in California. For me, taking that test was huge because I believe only smart people could pass that test. And I studied my ass off for a month straight and um, I had a goal that I was going to pass it the first time, had no understanding. Like I was looking up every single word on Google, you know, no background in that kind of stuff. And I, I took the test and I passed the first time. And as soon as I got that paper, I knew I didn't have an excuse anymore. Oh, man. My confirmation that I was smart and that I needed to get out of my own way and do what I was meant to be doing. Oh, man. I absolutely love that story. God, that's why I ask these questions. What'd you do with the stripper gear? <laughs> I actually gave a lot of it away to other girls that are in the industry. And I had um, all that clothes. I just donated it. I did a Ho'oponopono with all the stuff, a lot of it, because there's so much energy and just that old self, letting it, letting her dissolve into me and die off and integrate the part, positive parts of her. Cause there's amazing parts of her. Of course. Very amazing things. Well, so. that, that is a role. That is, that is a, that is um, a character. Mm -hmm. Right. But you were that character. Right. So you were out in public. You were dancing. You were gregarious. You were outgoing. So all of that manifested itself through this character. And all you had to do was just grab all the learnings from it and reapply it into the, the Deb that you want to be. 
which is incredible. Incredible story. All right. Tell us about an aha moment in your life when you realize you were now going, you were now moving in the right direction. Mm, I would, I think it's trainers training for me. Um, it was another one of those ahas, kind of like the uh, real estate aha. Um, I was, I was against everything that was hard for me in that training. And I felt like I was barely hanging on with the thread and I passed the final exam and I, and I, um, I had this last evaluator and I, all my hopes and praises were in passing this. And then I knew that, it, you know, I had it and I knew that I was, it was another one of those things of like telling myself that I was smart. And I got this evaluator that was known as the hard one that, you know, would get mad, get in the person's face, tell them how stupid they were. All my biggest fears like was projecting out into my future. And I thought I was going to fail. And then at the end, he told me he's, he, um, he stood up and said, you know, it would be an injustice to this world if you didn't go out and train this stuff. Wow. Wow. It was huge for me. And that was the seed that was planted. Wow. Maybe I really could do this. And that was a shift for me that inspired me to really start this journey Absolutely incredible. It reminds me of my favorite. It reminds me of my favorite quote from Marianne Williamson, "Our biggest fear." Have you heard that one? No. The the Marianne Williams um, is it Marianne Williams or Marianne Williamson? I, I always kind of like uh, butcher her last name, uh, but she's got these incredible incredible quotes. Um, and one of them is that we are uh, great beyond our wildest dreams. It's not we're not. It's it's not that we are afraid that we are not. Um, I'm going to find it because I'm doing I'm doing her injustice already. And usually, what happens is uh, my assistant posts these great posts in my Facebook, and of course, I can't find it right now. All right. So while I look for that. Okay, um, that's a, that was an incre- incredible story. Tell us uh, real quick about uh, your favorite books. What books would you recommend to our listeners? Um, I was thinking about this when I got those questions. I really love "You Are the Placebo Effect" by mm. Joe Dispenza because it explains the science behind how powerful our beliefs are. And it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. And it, it rings so true. I, I truly believe my beliefs had, have and had created everything in my reality. And even um, this is another story for a different time, but also symptomology in my body. You know, so there's dis-ease that I created because of my mindset. It's, it's incredible. And I've also healed it through my mindset. <laughs> Oh, no, it's all of it is through mindset. Whatever you believe, you will manifest, you will bring into your existence, right? I am. I'm stupid. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. Okay. I bring that all into my reality, right? I am capable. I am strong. I am positive. I am dynamic. I am a gifted speaker. I am, after a while, it just starts to, something starts to happen. A shift starts to happen. 
and this recognition, this awareness that I am great, that, there is, that I have this gift inside of me. And regardless of what happened, life didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And because of all my experiences, somebody comes to me and says, well, you don't understand. Oh, yeah? Try me. <laughs> yeah. Smoke meth for a year and survive. <laughs> right? And so here, here it is. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. That's, the, that's part of the Marianne Williams famous mm-hmm. quote. And there, and there it is. Right? That, that it, you know, who are we to shine so brightly? Who are we not? It is, it is our light, not our darkness, that people seek, right? And it is, it is, it is our God-given right to shine. And a lot of, uh, you know, one of the, my biggest things with, with 12 Steps 2 is, you know, be grateful, don't be proud. And so yeah. I'm like, when you strip someone, the, when you give someone or you take away the ability for someone to shine brightly, to really step into their greatness, right, Um it dims their light and thus prevents other people from shining as well. We lead by example. The, the, the brighter we shine, the more permission we give others to shine as well. So, so um, anyway, I, I recommend that you get your hands on that, on that poem. I love her. She's amazing. She is incredible. She is incredible. All right. So two more questions. Let me see where we're at right here. Okay, what are what are your three most powerful I am statements? Um, I am worthy, one hundred percent, and I am capable, and I can do anything I put my mind to, and I'm happy with myself now. I love it. I love it. Um, what is your personal success formula or blueprint for success? So first is desire, which is creates intention. Um, without desire, there is no success. And because I've worked, I've talked to a lot of people about, you know, recovery and addiction, there has to be a desire. If there's no desire, it ain't going to happen. Just in my, my humble opinion. <laughs> yes. So there has to be the want. And then when you figure out exactly what you want, it creates intention. And then with intention becomes inspired action. And as you take inspired action, I always say the best way to do personal growth and development is jump and figure out what's preventing you instead of what's preventing you, then jump. Mm. Cause you don't really know what's preventing you until you step out of your comfort zone. And you're like, Oh shit. I got this fear. I got this. So it's like this constant flow of taking action and clearing as you go and taking more action and gaining strategy. Cause you don't know exactly what specifically what specific strategic action to take most of the time until you get out there and you start testing it. Yes. Fail fast. Get fail out. forward fast. Fa- exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fail forward fast. Just get out there and start failing. Looking forward to it. Right? That's, exactly. where, you, that's where you learn. Right? I try this. It didn't work. Pivot. Shift. Take action. Surround yourself with the right people. Okay. Yes. Constantly be getting feedback from the people that you value the most. They will bring you, they will, they will guide you in the right direction. Exactly. People that lift you up. And that is one of the number one things is surround yourself with people that support you 
don't enable you, that support you in your growth and that you look up to. And at the same time, you're also, you have people that are, you're looking up to and that are helping you in that flow. But then you also have people that you're helping at the same time. Because part of your healing journey is sharing what you're learning with others. So it's this flow of people helping you and mentoring you at the same time. I, when you're ready, because a lot of times first you mentor yourself and clear out and do all that work. And then when it's time, you know, when it's time, it's time to get back and mentor. Yes. Yes, absolutely. If you were going to write, if you were going to write a memoir about your life, what would you name the book? Um, I'm in the process of writing a book. I just wrote a, a collaborative book with uh, 30, uh, sorry, I think 23 other entrepreneurial women about our brave stories and entrepreneurship. It's called uh, We Empower, Be Brave. Um, so that's a little chapter of my life, uh, how I got to where I am and some of the strategies of success since I found NLP. Um, for my life story, probably stepping out of the darkness into the light or something along those lines. I like that. Stepping out of the darkness. Or something around acknowledging and loving the darkness and finding the light inside of that. And I don't know exactly how to language that. Embrace, the, dar- embrace the darkness. Embracing it. Yeah. I'm trying, because- to, fig- I'm trying to figure out how to title this this interview because it's so good there's so many facets i don't know how i want to do it justice with the title because even in the darkness is light and that's that's why it's so important and that's truly where you let go of shame and forgiveness for yourself is when you have that deeper understanding that all that darkness that you either attracted or was your scenario in life that lot in life or what you chose to do, there was greatness inside of it. Did you just say, even in the darkness, there is greatness inside? Is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. Okay, all right. I got a lot to work with here. But if you come, <laughs> up, with, if you come up with the perfect title, I'm down with it. So, Deb, what is the best advice you have ever received? Invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. I tell you, man. Once, and once that starts happening, you kind of get addicted to that. <laughs> well, and there's the thing too, you know, putting people on, the, you know, on this evolutionary path of always learning, 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 and then it's also taking it and applying it and taking other people. I also did the 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 pedestal syndrome, where it's like I put these people on a pedestal and compared myself. <clears throat> And I wasn't becoming my own guru. Mm. And I might, you're no guru to anyone but yourself. I love it. I love it. Stop comparing yourself to others. Yes. You, yes, you cannot ever be them because they are already taken. <laughs> Just be yourself. That's what you were here to do. Be yourself. Love it. Okay. What is one parting piece of wisdom you would like to share with our listeners? It goes back to embracing who you are and loving yourself 
and living in the moment and enjoying everything that you have around you with gratitude and curiosity, with childlike fascination of the greatness that we live in right now and accepting everything about yourself and knowing that you are enough. And with that, we drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Bam. We are closing with that. Deb, if our listeners want to reach out to you, get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to find you? Uh, so we have a website. It's called JaegerTraining.com, or you can um, find me on Facebook. Um, I'm always on Messenger. Uh, reach out to me. Uh, Instagram. Absolutely. As well, Debbie Yeager on Instagram. All right. So if you want to know more about NLP or what the Jaeger training does i'll have the website and deb's contact information listed on her show notes so go check out the show notes deb thank you so much for joining us thank you i'm so grateful to be on this show this is my second podcast what you've only done two podcasts yes this is new for me you're a natural you're an absolute pro yeah but you probably do you're, you're doing tons of training so you know how to speak you got this. You got it down. Love it. I love it. Oh, Rebecca's the one to put us together. Yes. And I want to give a shout out to her and how grateful I am for that connection. And she's an amazing woman. Rebecca is amazing. How do we pronounce your last name? I don't know. Okay. Hold on one second. Let's find it. I'm going to butcher it, but uh, no, I'm not. It's Rebecca, Rebecca Hamner. So Hamner. Rebe- I thought it was Hammer. I always just call it, exactly because I missed the the you know <laughs> M and M right next to each other. I was going to call her that. I was going to say Rebecca Hammer. I'm like that does not feel right, right? So Rebecca Hamner, uh, she's an incredible friend of ours, um, and most of us, you know, just because we I don't typically pronounce people's last names, uh, but she has introduced me f- to a few rock stars. And I am super grateful that she introduced me to Deb because this story was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, thank you for what you're doing. You too. We're doing, we're doing amazing work together. Uh, this, this healing work, there's not enough people doing this work. There isn't enough NLP trainers out there and practitioners because this, this will change the world uh, for the better uh, as long as you use it for good. Yeah, yeah, with ecology. (laughs) Exactly, with ecology. All right, folks, we've now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, pura vida. Pura vida. Thank you for joining us today on the Recovery Revolution Podcast. For more information about the podcast, to access the show notes, join us in the Recovery Revolution or to learn about one-on-one coaching with me, then go to www.omarpinto.com. Make sure to check out the website or schedule a free consultation with me today. It's time to join the recovery revolution.